Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Heist, Who Stole the American Dream, reveals how American corporations orchestrated the dismantling of the middle-class prosperity through rampant deregulation, the outsourcing of jobs, and tax policies favoring businesses and the wealthy. The collapse of the U.S. economy is a result of a conscious choice made over 35 years by a small group of leaders, corporations, and elected allies. We're joined today by the co-director of Heist, Who Stole the American Dream, Donald Goldmacher. Donald, welcome to Film School. Thank you. Good morning to you, too, Mike. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for this film. Um, it is about as good a distillation and overview of what has happened uh, to uh, the American, the dynamo, the dynamic and uh, dominating uh, American uh, economy uh, and perspective on the world uh, since the basically the, the dawn of the Reagan administration, as I've seen. So I want to congratulate you on that. Tell me a little Thank bit... You. Oh, you're welcome. And, uh, tell me a little bit about what the impetus for you and uh, your co-director... Is it Francis Casey or Cossey? I'm, I'm Cossey. Cossey, pardon me. C-U-S-E-Y, Cossey. Cossey. Yeah. Uh, decided <clears throat> to go forward with this project. Well, there were two, actually. Uh, Francis had begun working on a film about the uh, whole situation of undocumented workers crossing the border in southern Arizona, and she saw basically the establishment, the establishment of more and more of a police state. Mm-hmm. And so she began filming that story. And then we met up in the spring of 2006, Um, where uh, she discovered I just had a film on HBO a couple of years before and uh, asked if I would produce her film, Mm -hmm. and I agreed to do that. Uh, But then what quickly happened is uh, three books came... Sorry. It's all right, sir. (laughs) Sorry for the background noise here. Three books came out that summer that um, altered our thinking and um, were books that certainly for me, resonated very deeply with my own background of social activism and social justice work and as a community psychiatrist. And the books were as follows. The Global Class War, Mm -hmm. uh, No One is Illegal, which was on the issue of undocumented workers, Mm -hmm. always being used in the United States historically as cheap labor, going back to the fields in California 150 years ago. And the third book, The Disposable American, which was about the... um, offshoring of American manufacturing jobs over the last 30 years, Mm -hmm. which did not actually begin with Ronald Reagan, but certainly accelerated Mm -hmm. uh, what what they would call in those days benign neglect (laughs) of of this emerging phenomenon of uh, globalization and free trade and free markets, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the genesis of the film. Mm -hmm. Okay. as well as my own political background okay. of understanding the issues and understanding uh, fundamentally uh, the issues of class warfare. Okay. Well, Having grown up in a poor working class family and always being very uh, aware of the issue of class 
in this country, though most Americans don't know it's there. Yeah, and it, it, it's it's uh, just such a uh, a stark contrast to my childhood. Uh, it, uh, from today to back when I was growing up, when um, you had grocery clerks who could bu- uh, who could afford to buy a home. That sounds mm-hmm. that sounds like science fiction today. That you had people who did all kinds of plumbers and electricians and others, just uh, kind of uh, craftsmen and uh, trade workers, who with with being uh, smart with their money could afford to not only buy a home, but they could put their kids into college. And now today, that that is a uh, that seems like a, a phantom dream at this point. I can't imagine someone working in a in a Albertsons today uh, as a strictly as a, a retail clerk, thinking that they could buy a home um, today. And and w- where this you said going back, let's go back to the really the, the the premise. Much of the premise of the film is based on something called the Powell Memo, uh, and that is yeah. uh, Lewis Powell, who eventually went on to become a uh, U.S. Supreme Court justice. Tell us a little bit about the Powell uh, memo. Well, the memo was uh, requested by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce in August 1971 because they were floundering. They didn't have a game plan for how they were going to take over the country yet. <laughs> okay. But they knew, they knew that they needed to do something because they, were, they felt they were losing the battle of ideas. And Lewis Powell was the man to correct that because he had those very same beliefs. He was appalled about by what was going on on campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, he was appalled by government being too liberal, uh, being too regulatory. And the memo was called Attack on Free Enterprise System. Mm-hmm. He was most appalled by Ralph Nader, who he considered uh, public enemy number one in terms of uh, Nader's exposés of corporate malfeasance. And he names him in the, in the memo. Yeah. He said people like him have to be neutralized. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the memo is about how corporations need to come together and build organizational capability to uh, begin an assault on um, Congress and the White House and ultimately the courts to make America safe for corporate, for corporate entities to do whatever they want to do, as as and unregulated people, as possible. As, I'm sorry, as unregulated as possible. As unregulated as possible, and I urge people to read the Powell Memo. They can find it on our website, right. uh, which is www.heist-the-movie. Mm-hmm. Because once you read it, you will really understand where we're at now, <laughs> and that uh, everything Powell outlines. In 1971, has essentially come to fruition, most notably the last uh, Supreme Court decision in 2010, Citizens United, um, which allows this current election to be totally corrupted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there are so many, uh, yeah, instances in the uh, that you you highlight in in Heist. Uh, this, I think, for me, is the the intellectualizing of these very radical reactionary perspectives, very uh, deregulated society. Uh, and you mentioned some of the more prominent 
think tanks. And I, I think this was one of the smartest things about the strategy that was laid out by Powell is to create this kind of veneer of uh, academia to, in order to undergird so much of these, what I would call, radical uh, policies. Um, and well, you mentioned Heritage, um, uh, the American Enterprise Institute. There's a number of them that we're all familiar with. Now. They're sort of part of the political lexicon. But these were all created mm-hmm. after, in fact, in, in sort of in following the, the Powell uh, um, memo. That's correct. I mean, Powell called essentially for the establishment of a group of scholars, quote-unquote, who would combat uh, leftist academics. And he also called for more influence on campuses of pro-business thinking and that uh, chairs should be endowed and that business schools should be encouraged to be teaching uh, essentially free market uh, ideas mm-hmm. about the economy, and he saw the campuses as a very critical arena, and the other critical arena, of course, was the government. Um, with the ultimate, and and Powell makes no bones about it in the memo, saying, you know, um, corporations should take out their political enemies. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is definitely as as famously referred to politics is in beanbags. And this, this yeah. really... You know, this... Let me come back to the think tanks for yeah, a moment, okay, yeah, because yeah, yeah. The, the, role of the, 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 the role of these quote-unquote think tanks, which are aptly labeled ideological marketing organizations by one of our uh, um, uh, subjects in the film, is, is an apt description of who they are. Yeah. They really create this uh, veneer of... Um, that they're really coming out with uh, strong new ideas of how government can be reformed and uh, and more efficient and lower tax rates and blah, blah, blah. And the, and the Heritage Foundation was the lead organization. In 1980, they issued their first mandate for leadership, which was a thousand-page ma- manual. If you think about the Powell memo as a strategy memo, the the mandate for leadership was a field manual for the ground troops uh, to implement a uh, very conservative agenda, yeah. a free market agenda. And uh, again, we quote from that uh, thousand-page tome throughout the film, yeah. and you can see again that their game plan that was written for Ronald Reagan specifically, yeah. and then they wrote others for other presidents, but that game plan has been put, has been implemented, yeah. <laughs> including the the quote Romney Care Obamacare Affordable Care Act is comes right out of the Heritage Foundation. Yeah, yeah. It, th- this is the thing that I think is so corrosive about this. As we're talking about the, by the way, we're speaking with uh, Donald Goldmacher, the co-director, along with uh, Francis. Kasi of the film uh, Heist, Who Stole the American Dream. You can go to the website, heist-themovie.com, and find out a lot of very, all the information that you would want, including ordering this, the DVD, as well as upcoming screenings, how to take action, um, a lot of information. And I urge you to go there, heist-themovie.com, to find out more. But one of the things about these think tanks that has been so corrosive to the American um, uh, political seen and really socially as well is that we can no longer have debates about issues because there are different sets of facts there's no longer 
the ability, and maybe I'm romanticizing that there was a time when there was a, a set of facts that we could all agree on, but it's become much, much worse, much more difficult to navigate what's true and what's not true by virtue of these think tanks who essentially create their own set of facts and create uh, rationales out of thin air. So you can, it's hard to debate a, a conservative Dem, a Republican and a, and, a, and a liberal Democrat because they can't agree on even the basic facts of, a, of an issue. And that's really made things much, much more difficult in my mind. Well, there, there's an added dimension to how these um, ideological marketing organizations really function. Um, they spin out all kinds of papers, documents, yeah. press releases that are constantly barraging the press, especially in Washington and New York. And they've been at this for 30 years. Yeah. They have really gotten this down to a science. So that they have pushed the whole political debate to the right. So far to the right. Uh, far, enough, yeah. far enough to the right so that the Democrats, in order to look credible ostensibly, uh, argue in the same terrain. Right. Now, our argument in the film is that no, the Democrats have drunk the Kool-Aid. They could well have stood up on the New Deal principles and the Great Society principles and made a good case for why America does need government. And that's one of the key things that, that these right-wingers are after. Yeah. They want the dismantling of government that will control and regulate um, our society so we don't have a meltdown that we had in 2008, so we don't have a dot-com crash in 2000. But these folks are now running the show, so uh, they are paying the money for these politicians, and these politicians are implementing essentially a very right-wing agenda yeah. for this country. We're, we're, no, we're no longer arguing about what used to be Democratic Party ideas and Republican Party ideas. We're now arguing about... We're arguing about radical right Republican ideas and centrist Republican ideas. So much Obamacare, so much of the things was was came out of uh, a Republican governor's state of Massachusetts. He was his plan. So much of the things that were proposed uh, regarding uh, uh, reform of Medicare or any of these came from Bob Dole or from someone else or or Richard Nixon's ideas. Uh, so we're not even arguing. We're not even. We're these are when I talk to people about the things that I care about politically, I I must sound like I'm speaking Martian to some of these people because these are not generally ideas that they're exposed to. Even so, it's the basis by which we talk is so so stilted that it's very difficult to have a conver an adult conversation. And it's especially hard when you have the noise coming out of Fox and all these right-wing outlets to, to, to break through. And, and, and heist is one of those ways in which we can begin to break through. And I urge people to check it out for that reason. So, um, did Well, thank you for that. Let me, let me just pile on a little bit here. <clears throat> yeah. Now, how the right functions. Um, not only do you have these marketing organizations, but then, you, of course, you do have people like Rush Limbaugh of Fox News who are all part of a grand strategy to push and promote right-wing propaganda. There's no other term for it. There's a great book written in 2004 called The Republican Noise Machine, which I urge everybody to read, 
who's listening here, written by David Brock, again, somebody who's in the film mm-hmm. and who runs Media Matters, and used to be one of these right-wingers, initially a fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Mm-hmm. And in this book, he really outlined, not outlined, I mean, details and warns how Republicans are going to conduct politics in this country. And everything he's written there, you are seeing taking place uh, right now, where there is no civil discourse. All of the, all of the Republican and right-wing frames are emotionally driven frames, mm-hmm. whether it's around fear or resentment or anger um, or racism. All of those frames are being used and have been used by Republicans now for a couple of decades to put, to make sure that there is no civil, rational discourse. They are pushing people's emotional buttons. That's their agenda. Right. And they learned how to do it very, very effectively. And liberals and progressives have yet to wake up to that. They want to argue facts. Let me tell you... <laughs> The right wing understands people don't vote based on facts. People will vote in this election based on the economy, which is a gut check for them. Right. It is not a rational set of thoughts. It is, oh, my God, I'm terrified I'm going to lose my job, my house, my pension, my retirement, uh, my kids' ability to go to college, et cetera, et cetera, which you outlined in the beginning. All of those are very powerful, emotional buttons and all it takes is a couple of good ads repeated over and over and over again is the truth and as you may know in marketing the lesson is if you repeat an ad nine times this is the rule of thumb if you repeat an ad nine times it uh people begin to say oh yeah i know that product that's a good product (laughs) yeah so that works in politics now too they're all advertising driven Right. And I'm going to say that we're just about out of time, um, but there, I, there was something that was said to me back in the 70s by someone, very smart person, who really understood kind of the big picture. And this gives, I think, the context we're talking about for why, why is this happening. It's not just political. It's not just a social issue kind of thing. It's also economic. It's a, it's a grab for money. They said to me that when my parents, meaning the, the, the uh, World War II generation, dies off, they will be in the process of transferring the greatest sum of wealth in the history of mankind because those people were the beneficiaries of all of those so- the programs, the government programs like the, uh, uh, um, uh, the GI Bill, uh, the FHA, all the stuff, and, and the inflation and all the rest of it. There is a massive amount of money that is currently in the process of being transferred from that generation to my generation. And the, opportuni- the opportunistic, pernicious way in which financial institutions in this country were determined to get their hands on that wealth, we are seeing it bear the fruits of these the efforts on the part of the people who you identify in heist. They knew that this huge sum of money was up for grabs, and if they could re-engineer the system, they could get their hands on it, and that's what they have done. Well, they're still after it. They want to get Social Security privatized to get even more of the money. Right, right. Not everything is done. It's not a fait accompli, but it is so much has been done to pension funds and to all kinds of other ways in which money and social programs that the government has been responsible for decades now is being affected by these policies. 
No, you're absolutely right, and that was a very astute comment by somebody. If they made it in the 70s, they really did get yeah. what uh, the long-term agenda was. Well, I like to, I, uh, Donald, I like to talk to smart people, and which leads me to thank you so much for being here on Film School. Donald uh, Goldmacher, the uh, co-director of the film um, Heist, Who Stole the American Dream, uh, thank you so much for being here today on Film School. Thank you, Michael. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.